Let's pray. Father, teach us where to put our confidence when we come before you and not to have it in the wrong place but in the right place. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this is a sermon about where to put your confidence. In particular, where to put your confidence when you front up to God, when you come to him in prayer. To lack confidence is an unhappy thing. If you lack confidence, you, kind of, you worry. You worry about how others see you and whether they judge you. You worry about whether what you say and do will measure up. And because we want confidence, we look around for things that can build our confidence. So if I can uh, learn to, you know, to dress, to walk, to talk, to act in a way that will give others the idea that I'm confident and competent, then, you know, I in turn will gain confidence as I succeed. Um, and, you know, I may have to fake it, but ultimately I might make it. The way our society seeks to kind of build us up and build our confidence is often to say, believe in yourself. You know, back yourself. You can do it. Work hard. Put yourself out there. Uh, Perhaps if you're a bit older and you've uh, established yourselves, you might have plenty of confidence. I've been there, done that. I know the ropes. I've jumped through the hoops. I'm good at this. Jesus told the parable, it begins, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. These two men, the Pharisee and the tax collector are very different in many ways. <clears throat> the Pharisee is a figure of seriousness, of piety and dignity and virtue and confidence. The tax collector is a dubious figure of doubtful morality, uh, someone who is serving corrupt foreign masters, and they both go up to the temple to pray. And the temple in Jerusalem was one of the wonders of the ancient world. Um, it was a vast Precinct with an imposing series of courts that you proceeded through. And as these men go into the place of prayer, the environment of the temple seems to have worked differently upon them. The Pharisee seems to have had his confidence and his sense that he is where he belongs enlarged. He has a strong sense that he is a holy person in a holy place. And he prays, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, Evil was adulterers, or even like this tax collector, I fast twice a week and I give a tenth of all I get. On his mind is his pious way of life, his fasting, his giving, his good deeds. He's quite ready to thank God that God has made him good. God has made him a cut above. I thank you that I am not like other people. God, I thank you that I am not like other people. But really, his opinion is that in his case... He's confident that God's work is done with him. He's confident in his own righteousness. Now, on reflection, there does seem to be something of a problem with this fellow. He stands by himself, aloof from others. He looks down on others, regarding them as beset 
by vice. He even singles out the tax collector as a particular concrete example right here of a person I am better than. Is this good? Is this love of neighbour? The temple works on the tax collector, it seems, quite differently. The tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven but beat his breast. The solemnity and grandeur of the temple doesn't swell him up but overawes him. It kind of drains him, perhaps, of his confidence, drives home to him the consciousness that he carries his own imperfection in the temple with him. He carries his own need, his own sin into this place. And his prayer is brief. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Or, God, be reconciled to me, a sinner. This is not a man full of confidence, at least not confidence in himself. He's a person with a particular consciousness about himself at this moment, a consciousness of sin. He doesn't see himself like the Pharisee, <clears throat> doesn't see himself as the one who keeps God rule, God's rules. Rather, he sees himself like David saw himself in our Old Testament reading from Psalm 51, that famous psalm that David penned after the prophet Nathan confronted him over his adultery with Bathsheba. Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions, wash away my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin, for I know my transgressions. My sin is always before me. There is an important understanding of ourselves that we get when our conscience comes calling. For all of us, there are times our conscience comes calling and presses upon us the unwelcome truth that we have been sinful. Perhaps we've been wrathful or vengeful. Perhaps we've been deceitful or vain or thoughtless. Perhaps we've been unforgiving or unreliable or mean or foolish. Those times when in our hearts we know that we are a sinner. We know that we have screwed up. We know that we should hang our heads before God and before others. These moments offer us a chance for a fundamental and essential form of prayer. That is the cry for mercy. The confession of sin, the request for cleansing. Psalm 51, against you, you only, Lord, have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. This consciousness of sin, this dismay at what we have done, is the occasion for a transforming engagement with God. As Jesus says to the tax collector, or of the tax collector, I tell you, this man, rather than the other one, went home justified before God. Went home all square with God. God was merciful. God did reconcile him to himself to the sinner. God did cleanse the sinner. The tax collector went away from his prayer at the temple right with God. A burden was lifted. A 
new beginning was granted. A fellowship with God was restored. He was washed clean. This parable makes it plain that it's what goes on in the heart that is crucial in relating to God. The Pharisees fasting and giving, well, it counted for nothing because he was in his heart confident of his own righteousness and looked down on everybody else. The tax collector's sins, whatever they were, did not stop him going home justified because he was, in his heart, enabled to cast himself on God's mercy. Our reading from Galatians underlies that our confidence before God cannot be in what we do, but must be in Christ and in the mercy of God that Jesus Christ offers and makes possible. Paul says, We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles know that a person is not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith, our confidence, our hope in Christ Jesus so that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. God has made his love and grace and mercy plain and real in Jesus Christ. Every Christian may say with Paul, the life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Tomorrow is Reformation Day and one of the rediscoveries of the Reformation was the truth that we are saved by God's grace alone, through faith alone. The tax collector of Jesus' parable demonstrates this. He called to God for mercy and grace and went home justified before God. It was not necessary for him to go home and then add deeds in order to convert his faith into justification, although no doubt new deeds follow. But he went home justified already because he had cried out to God for mercy. He had put his faith in God, his hope in God, his confidence in God's mercy. We may see the Pharisee and the tax collector as embodying approaches that we ourselves may follow at one time or another. The temptation may be there for us to fall into the Pharisee's attitude. This Pharisee who is confident of his own righteousness. Look down on everyone else. Take care if you discover yourself having wandered into that territory. On the other hand, the tax collector reminds us that it is, it is something we should not waste. We should not waste the opportunity when our conscience visits us with an awareness of our sin. We should not waste that because here is a chance to renew our consciousness that all we can do is to cry, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And all we can do is rejoice in the mercy that he so freely gives. Let's pray. Our Father, teach us where to put our confidence. Show us where we might be tempted to or actually placing our confidence in ourselves, in the 
lives we lead and the things we do, the works we undertake. Help us, Lord, uh, to take care in that situation and especially if this leads us to look down on others. Lord, deliver us from that blindness. Lord, when we are visited by our conscience, help us not to suppress that or drive it out or deny it, but to take the opportunity to come to you with this fundamental prayer. God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And to know the wonderful truth that you wash those, you cleanse those, you justify and make right all those who throw themselves on your mercy. Lord, may we all know that great deliverance, that great truth, that great power of yours. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.